0: Hallelujah. Are you all ready? A life prepared. A life prepared. Everybody say, my life is prepared. A life prepared. Let's just see how far we can go in the time that we have. The nice thing about it, the word never ends. Preparation is important to any task, any project, anything. How many of you know painting is easy? It's the preparation that's hard work. You know, to get the wall ready, to get the surface ready. It um, takes a lot of preparation. The application is really easy. I want to just tell you that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God spoke to Eve and to the serpent, He spoke a curse over the serpent and uh, cursed him and told him he would be on his belly. He would eat the dust of the earth. There it is. I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. I don't know what the form of the serpent was, but he was not, you know, he was maybe on all fours. Theologians said maybe he had legs, but after the curse, he was down on his belly and um, his food was the dust of the earth. In other words, that he will only ever operate in the dust. In other words, he will only operate ever in natural things. So if you are spiritual, he can't touch you. Because spiritual is higher. But if we get into the flesh, if we get into fleshly ways, if we get into sin, that's the dust of the earth, the naturalness. And then we are in his domain. But we are the stars of the heaven, not the dust of the earth. Is that okay? And so he confined him to dust. It's another reason why I don't believe that Satan has got access to heaven. Never did and you never will have. Okay? And so, if you want to know you know how it is, I can give you the answer, but not today. And so, the dust of the earth. Now, when he said this to Eve, even to the serpent, I will, he was talking mainly to the serpent, I will put enmity between her seed and thy seed. And the seed of the woman, he said, shall bruise thy head, or crush thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to mention this morning, and um, that's a theme that Christmas fulfills that prophecy because when jesus was born the seed had arrived and so this seed if we look through the life of jesus we will see how the serpent seed came against the seed of the woman that's jesus we'll see that pontius pilate herod the sanhedrin the pharisees the romans all were serpent seed because they came against the seed christ and they allied together and plotted together to have him crucified. So the thing that, that I want to bring out for you and that's applicable to us this morning is that when he said, when God said, there will always be enmity between the seed of this woman and your seed, Satan. There will always be enmity. So here's the news for us Christians. There will always be enmity. So if you haven't discovered that yet, I'm just giving you some news this morning. I'm not saying it's good news, but there will always be enmity. Here's the deal. You may even get bruised in the process, but just you heal. Is that okay? And really, the bruising comes from the impact on the ground of crushing the serpent's head. But here's another thing that God spoke into that promise, it's embedded in that promise, is this, you will always have victory. There may be enmity, but you will always have victory. You will always be assured of victory. Because the contact of the lowest part of your body that touches the dust is your foot. And that's the only part that is going to be messing with Satan. Is that okay? And it's going to crush his head. He may bruise your heel, but you will get over the bruising. But he will never recover from the crushing on his head. Because it's a fatal injury. So God assures us always, 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 always of victory. That's why Paul says it, that God or Christ always, Always, is always leading us in his triumphal procession of victory. Spreading every the fragrance of the knowledge of God. To some it's the fragrance of death, to the others it's the fragrance of life. Is that okay? So I want you to understand that what I'm talking about this morning is absolutely related to Christmas. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Many years ago, Prophet Kervis preached an awesome message. Just the birth of Jesus spelt the downfall and the destruction of Satan just his birth, just his entrance into this world, released all kinds of things positive and set into motion the ending of the devil's reign, just his birth, just his birth. What about now as Lord and Christ and King alive and well inside of us, ruling and reigning on earth? That's why the Bible tells us that we will crush the company of Satan. Is that okay? So that's our deal in life. Amen? So the purpose the Son of God was manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. So he's manifest in us and through us to destroy the works of the devil. So we're continuing to see the devil's works destroyed. But I was talking about preparation. All of that prophecy... You know, the incident that happened to God and didn't take God by surprise. God knew it and the plan was already in motion. And when he spoke, he really spoke out of a knowledge point of view and he knew what he was going to do. And so there was an intense period of preparation that took place. And so just a couple of things that I want to mention. So the first thing is that when God spoke this prophetic word concerning the seed, you will see how it follows it through. I think it's in um, Genesis 22 but where he spoke to Abraham and he said because you've obeyed my voice i want you to know something he said in blessing i will bless you and in multiplying i will multiply the genesis 22:17 and 18 he says, thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. So there was two seed lines that were going to come through Abraham. One was going to be as the sand and one was going to be as the stars. One would be spiritual and one would be natural. We see how the spiritual was through Isaac eventually and the natural was through Ishmael. And, uh, you know, the never the two shall meet. And so the sand shall become the stars. And he said, because, and you shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed me. Amen. 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 And so God began a thing of preparation. It's incredible how God prepared the earth. Number one, he prepared the actual physical earth. Isn't it amazing how in the process of millions and millions of years, millions and millions of years, God prepared the earth. There was all kinds of volcanic things happening before it settled down, uh, before man could inhabit it. And he put the iron into the earth. He put the diamonds in. That needs a process. He put the coal. He he put the gold. He put in every resource. They say that fluoride, which we use in our toothpaste, takes incredible heat to form it. And here we are. We just gather it and we use it. We put it in our toothpaste. You know, it's put in our toothpaste for us. And all of that. So every resource in the earth The fact that it's the habitable earth, the Bible refers to it, means that we could live there and then we could take the resources. So God, before He put us on the earth, prepared the earth. Is that okay? He didn't just go bang, put the earth, just stick us on there. I mean, He knew what He was doing. He was preparing for something. Everybody say prepared. Okay. And He was preparing us for life. And so He put everything. So the first thing He did was prepare the earth. The second thing is, and it needed to be habitable for us to live on. The second thing is, he prepared the heavens. Wow. So when God created the world, the earth, he created heavens and the earth. Okay? Because there's more than one heaven Okay? So he prepared it. And God's intention was never for heaven and earth to be separated. That's why he told the disciples, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there was a massive preparation. Too much to go into. I'm just throwing it out and maybe some other time we will come and look at it. But heavens basically after the fall was closed. Man was banished from the garden. And there was this this separation between heaven and earth. But as time goes on, you begin to see how God just starts to open the heavens. Open the heavens. Open the heavens. The one occasion in Exodus, I think it's in Exodus 17, where he called the 70 elders and Aaron and Moses up, and he called them up onto the mountain. The Bible says that heaven opened, and they saw God. The 70 of them, the 70 plus, they all saw God. They saw heaven open. There they saw God. How did they see God? They saw God in a physical shape. How many of you know God has got a shape? That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, You've never even seen the form of God. God has got a form. Can I carry on? Okay, the shape of God. God is spirit. It doesn't mean to say that He's just shapeless, He has a form. What is the shape of the Holy Spirit? Your form, your shape. So when you were born again, you are created in his image and his likeness. When he formed Adam on the ground, he breathed the spirit into him. What shape was the spirit? Man shape. So he filled every space inside of Adam. Are you all good? All right. And so he filled him perfectly. Amen. And so he prepared the heavens. He prepared the spiritual realm. Isaiah 6, you know, when he talked about, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw heaven open. Ezekiel saw heaven open when he was sitting by the river Kibo, and then he saw the vision of another river. He saw God moving through history. And then, of course, we come to John in the New Testament, and he has all these visions, heaven open. But the place where it really happened was at the baptism of Jesus. As the Son of Man representing all of us when he was baptized, the Bible says, and the heaven opened, and the Spirit came down on him in bodily form. Like a dove, not a dove sitting on his shoulder, came down on him in bodily form. The shape of the Spirit was his shape. So the Spirit came on him in bodily form. And the way he came down was like a dove. Is that okay? So he was being prepared, and heaven was being prepared. Moses, when he was told to build the tabernacle, God said to him, As you saw the pattern in heaven. Is that okay? So there's symbolism, there's types, there's shadows, and God was preparing heaven to be on earth. And it was foreshadowed in the tabernacle in the early days. Later, it was foreshadowed in the temple. Right now, it's fulfilled in us. Yeah. Amen. Is that okay? Heaven on earth. So it was prepared. It was all the plan of God. So when Jesus was born... And and this is what we're going to be celebrating soon. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And He came and He fulfilled all of the law. So it was the fullness of time. It was split-second perfect timing because God had been preparing everything for that exact precise moment. Is that good? So it wasn't random. It wasn't random. It wasn't random events happening and it just so coincided. No, part of the preparation of the earth, God prepared Babylonian civilization. God prepared the Persians. God prepared the Romans. God prepared the Greeks because He used the infrastructure. He used the language. He used everything for the spread of the gospel. Jesus was born right there in the right place, the right time. The setting was perfect. Everything was prepared. Is that okay? Come on, say it's prepared. This is good news for us coming up to Christmas. So nothing takes him by surprise. Is that all right? When something happens to you, an angel doesn't come and tell God, and he gets such a shock, he nearly falls off his throne and goes, oh, my gosh, I I wasn't expecting that. You know, I didn't even see that. Oh, my goodness me. What are we going to do now? You know, it doesn't take him by surprise. Nothing. He's got the horn. World. <laughs> in his hand, he's got you and me in his hand. So, Galatians chapter four, verse five so he "Prepared the earth, prepared the heavens, and of course, he prepared the seed." It's amazing the seed line of Jesus. If you follow it through, and sometime we might be able to do it, but when we follow it through the Bible, that we begin to see that um, you know, we see incidents, we see people come and go. We see, for example you know, King David and others. We read this history throughout the Old Testament, right up till the beginning of the New Testament. But what God was busy with, even Rahab the prostitute, even wicked King Ahab, all of them, God was using. And he was bringing the seed line from the prophecy in Genesis 3, and he was bringing the seed line all the way through. Incredible how he prepared the heavens. You know, the story of the flood is an amazing story with Noah. How many months it was you know, with the flood, and then the waters began to subside. But it specifically mentions after 40 days. Yeah. And 40 is not only a thing of judgment, but it's also the establishment of a generation. Yeah. So after 40 days, so God is going to establish a new generation. Because he wiped out the wicked generations yeah. Yeah. through the flood. It was a judgment because forty can also mean judgment yeah. and testing and trial so and then he'd released a raven out to see you know if the waters had subsided and there was some landing place for the raven but the bible says the raven flew backwards and forwards backwards and forwards backwards and forwards in other words there was no dry land but the raven is not really the bird to send because it feeds on carrion. Yeah. It feeds on rotting corpses. Yeah. So it really represents flesh. Yeah. And so, you know, all the floating bodies of the animals and things that had been destroyed, it was out there feeding and it's, it was really spoke of the natural line, yeah. the natural, you know, not the spiritual, the natural, the raven. Yeah. It's a fleshly thing, you know. It's an unclean thing. Then it says after seven days he let, a dove fly out. Everybody ready for this? So the dove flies out and it comes back with an olive branch. An olive branch. Isn't it amazing that we are called the olive, you know, olive trees? As opposed to the fig tree, the planting of the Lord. It comes back with an olive branch. So something is starting to happen. So the olive tree they say that is the only tree that can actually flower under water. So but somehow it was just sticking up and not enough place to land. But the dove brings back an olive branch. The truth of the matter is still there's nowhere for him to settle. Then it says after seven days. In other words, there's a new creation happening. Yeah. So the first creation was six days work and seventh day rest. So now after seven days, so the new creation. Yeah. So the dove doesn't come back because it's found a place to put its feet. Yeah. The dove. So heaven opens... And the dove can come down and place its feet. So, the baptism of Jesus, the Spirit descended him on bodily form like the dove. God found a place to inhabit and to dwell upon the earth. Come on, that was a fantastic place to say amen. 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 And so, the dove came in bodily form like I'm changing the words like the dove. So it was, when Noah released the dove, basically it was saying again, there's going to be two generations. There's going to be a wicked generation, the raven. There's going to be a spiritual generation. But the spiritual generation has now touched down on earth and something can happen. So when Jesus received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God found a place of residence on earth. Now heaven and earth could be joined. Heaven could be on earth. Amen. And so he prepared the heavens. He prepared the seed. It's really amazing. I mean, there's so many things. And then he prepared the people. He prepared the people. So John the Baptist comes along in the spirit of Elijah, prophesying Isaiah chapter 40, early verses. It says, verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way. Of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so he came turning the hearts of the people back to God. So now he has a people prepared for the Messiah to come. But even though they were prepared, the Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. But yet they were prepared. Can you see that God does intense preparation before he does anything? How many of you know that when a suddenly happens in your life, there's been a background? God has been doing preparation, God's been getting things ready. Is that okay? So I just want to tell you that God has been busy with you during this COVID time, and He's been preparing you and us for something even better. Is that okay? And when it happens, you'll go, wow, what happened? But God will be saying, oh, well, I was preparing it during COVID-19 when you thought it was tough. I was getting something ready. So it's really amazing. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 9, this is what it's prophetic about Jesus. Wherefore, when he, Jesus, cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thy wouldest not. In other words, you didn't want sacrifice and offering. But a body, What? Read it with me. A body thou hast prepared for me. So God prepared Jesus a body. He was doing preparation work. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So all the time, you know, the seed was being planned, and God was bringing people together and positioning them, and he was just tracking the seed line, the seed line, until Jesus was born. And then he received a body yeah. in order to live out that which God had prepared for him. Is it okay? And so a body. He said, in burnt offering sacrifices for sin, thy hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. So he was given a body to do the will of God, a prepared body. Verse 9 again. Then saith he, Lo, I come to do thy will. Oh, God, he taketh away the first, the first covenant, the first means of serving God. He takes it away to establish the second, and that is what we are part of. But I just want to just um, speak in here very quickly. Are you all ready? So in all of this, this there's a bit of an overview. In all of this, remember Genesis 3.15. Okay, you're getting something? Okay, Genesis 3.15. There will be enmity. You'll bruise your heel, but you'll crush your head. There will always be conflict. But more importantly, there will always be victory. You will always be victors. You will always triumph. You will never be under, you'll be over. You won't be behind, you'll be ahead. You will not be the tail, you'll be the very point of the nose. I mean, you'll be the head, okay? So you will... Like Reynold Bonk always used to say, you are condemned to victory. Yeah. So right here, I'm just putting in the good news just so I don't forget. That's Psalm 23, verse 5. Right there. Right in the middle of the enmity. Come on, if you know Psalm 23, verse 5, you should have got it by now. You ready? Thou preparest. A table for me in the presence of my enemy. Come on. That was good. You can have your heel being bruised. God has already prepared a table for you. The table means a feast. In the presence of your enemies. Not in the absence, in the presence of your enemies. Is that okay? In the midst of what you're going through, that looks really negative. God has prepared already a table for you. He anoints your head with oil, the oil of power. Your cup overflows, the cup of your joy means that he just keeps filling the goblet with wine. And it's overflowing. In other words, there's an excess of of joy. And it's in the presence of your enemies, eyeball to eyeball, in the situation. Come on, church. In the middle of the struggle, there's a feast for you. So often we get distracted with the presence of the enemies. And we get distracted and our minds are doing all sorts of things. If we can just be quiet and look for the feasting table. And sit down and experience the anointing of the head and the cup of joy overflowing. Come on church. This is good news. Amen. And so in the presence of your enemies, God is a God who's prepared. Amen. God is a God who's prepared. You've been through things before, bad things. And when you've got through them and you've looked back because now you've got twenty twenty vision, you can see God was there. God was there. God was in it. It's just when you're looking this way, going through it, you can't see him. But when you threw it on this side and you look and you go, oh my goodness, I, I didn't even see him. He was there. Yes. Amen. Amen. He prepared a table for you. The first thing with all of this preparation looks like this. A place. A place prepared. And over here, the place prepared. We've got to have a look at John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. I might say some things that might shake you a little bit, but let's just see. Let not your heart be troubled. Okay, now it's not Apostle John speaking, it's Prophet John. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He says this, you believe in God, and you should, but now because I'm God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you if there was no mansions in the Father. I would have told you. I go to prepare. Prepare. I'm going to prepare. Prepare a place for you. Prepare. Everybody say prepare. I'm going to prepare. You see, Jesus was so focused. And, uh, you know, this was just prior to the cross. And uh, he's saying, okay, I'm going to be gone for a while. But I don't want you to worry. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going. And then I'll come back. And in that time, I will have prepared a place for you. Now, some of the bad news preachers, they will preach that we've got little cabins over in the corner, little corner of Glory Land, and I'll fly away, and all this kind of thing. And um, then we have a fallout with someone in church, and we go, Oh, no, I know God's sense of humor is going to put me next door to that person. (laughs) In heaven, oh, Jesus you know, I'm going to have so-and-so as my neighbor in heaven. Oh, no. You know, and everybody's wondering what these mansions are going to be over. You know, some are so humble, they just want a little cabin over in the glory land because they don't think they're actually going to make it. <laughs> so if I could just get it, i get a little cabin, I'd be happy, you know. And others, I'm going to, oh, you know, the ones that are really comfortable, I'm, I'm going to have a mansion over in heaven, you know. I'll fly away, glory. By. That's not what he was talking about, not at all. It's amazing to me that they always use these. I mean, I only ever heard this preached at funerals when I was a kid, you know. Oh, no, going to their little mansion in Glory Land. And they get over there, and, you know, they've got this nice house. And then they preach all these fanciful things, you know, that everything they desired on earth that they couldn't have over here, now it's all in heaven. Oh, and Jesus did this for me. And the angels have been doing the gardening and, and, uh, (laughs) you know. And, you know, classic cars, you know, I really love classic cars and things like this. And there's my Volvo 544 fastback, you know, vermilion, you know, opalescent gray roof with the mags on it. And it's like, woo, there's my Volvo again, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's all preaching and none of that is true because Jesus was talking about a place in the Father. And the Father of the house, the Father of the house, there's room for many in the Father as the father of the house. Is that okay? And so the interesting thing is he's saying, I'm preparing a place for you in the father. He says, I will come again and receive you unto me that where I am, there you may be also. Now that's really significant, that where I am, where I am, there you may be also. In other words, who I am, what I am, what I do, how I speak, I'm going to prepare it that you can be like me. It's got nothing to do with property. It's got nothing to do with, you know, physical real estate or even spiritual real estate like that. You know, it's got everything to do with being placed in the Father. And he said, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Because he says a bit later, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to what? The Father. Not no man goes to his house. But by me. No man comes to the Father. It's all about a father-son relationship. Is everybody good? And so it's really, really interesting that this place prepared that Jesus was talking about was a spiritual place. It's a spiritual place. Now, I'm going to just say it. How many of you know the Garden of Eden was not a real garden? It was a spiritual place. Okay, less amens. But anyway. People have been trying to find the Garden of Eden down in Mesopotamia. They're not going to find it yeah. no. No. It's vision language, yes. yeah. so the Russian cosmonauts who went to space were right. They flew up there and they said, "We've looked around for heaven, we can't find it so So boo-hoo to all you Christians because they were saying heaven's up there." So they went up there, and all they saw was galaxy and space. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm really sorry to burst your bubble, but, you know, it's a spiritual place. And so, um, for example, it's actually called in Christ. So the place prepared is in Christ. So Exodus 33 and verse 21. So Moses says to God, you say you know me, you say you know my name, I want to know you, I want to know your name if I find found favor with you. So he says, okay, I'll show you my glory, because he wanted to see his glory. He said, okay, I'll show you my glory. And he says, and the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Yeah. He said, you can see me, but there's a place close to me. You can stand on it. It's a rock. Okay, never mind. Let's carry on. It's a rock. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4, they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Amazing. Is that okay? is amazing that Jesus was in the wilderness with the people of Israel? And they saw him as a rock. Even when Moses struck the rock, he had to stand on the rock and strike the rock, and then the water came out. Paul says the water that came out was Christ. And some of you only saw physical water, but that was spiritual water that nourished you that came out of the rock, and that rock was Christ. Was that okay? So it was Christ. So he said, yeah, you can see me. You can be with me. He says, but in order to be, you need to stand on the rock. You need to be in the rock. So many scriptures are many scriptures. So let's have a look. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. So he talks about this incredible salvation that didn't enter the conception, the perception the understanding, the hearts, the minds of people didn't get it. They didn't get it. And this is another verse that was used to preach heaven after you die, or kingdom after you die. He says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath what? Prepared. Everybody say prepared. So God has prepared stuff for you. Is that okay? God has prepared prepared things for you. It's all prepared. It's all there. In other words, it's all ready for application and manifestation. Is that okay? For those that love Him. And then verse 10 says this. He says, "'But God hath revealed those things that He has prepared for us unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yay, woo-hoo, even the deep things of God.'" And he wants to make it known to us. Even in Exodus 23, verse 20, when God was wanting to take the people from Egypt to the promised land. It's very interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting that he even took the nation of Israel and put them in Egypt. And then he took them out. He even then took Jesus and put him in Egypt. All patterns, all types, all shadows. And then he brought him out. So much so that God even said, out of Egypt I've called my son. Amen. He's called his son out of Egypt. Come on. I mean, that's good. You didn't know that, did you? (laughs) I'm just teasing. I'm just trying to make you more excited. But so, out of Egypt, I called my son. So now you're saying, all right, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I will even assign an angel to take you out of Egypt into the land of promise. So Paul comes along in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. He says, Are not all the angels? Some teachers teach, you know, you've got worship angels, all out of wrong doctrine. Yeah. They all worship. Yeah. Then you've got warrior angels. Listen, they can all fight. They can all give you a good club. Yeah. I've seen some of them. Yeah. I mean, I have. I've seen angels beat people up. I have, seriously. With my eyes, I've, I saw them. Nobody could see I was preaching. No one could see an angel walk over to someone and, off the chair. All they saw was the, Pah. Thirty minutes. I saw the angel, knocking the hell out of them. (laughs) Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve the heirs, the heirs, the heirs, the heirs, the heirs of salvation? Are not all angels, all angels, ministering spirits, servants serving the sons? It's powerful. The salvation that we have was prophesied all the way back there in Galatians chapter 3. It's really amazing. And so, you know, this salvation has been prepared for us. God has put angels around, God has put the cloud of witnesses around, Hebrews chapter 12. So, God has put a cloud of witnesses around us. All encouraging. There is a church. I must get you the name. I was doing some study on it. There is a church in America. There's a church. And they, the nuns had worked for a long time, saved up money, and they built this nice new church. And the architect built it with a gallery. And when they finished building, this church, beautiful church had a gallery. <laughs> and then they realized they hadn't put stairs in. Now, if that happened today, you would fire the architect, wouldn't you? And uh, they hadn't put stairs in. So they started to pray. The nuns started to pray. They said, well, God, we don't know what. And one day there was a knock at the door in the morning, knock on the door. There stood a carpenter. And they said, I've been sent to fetch it. but who told you? No, no, uh, you know, I've come here to fetch the staircase. He had a box with carpentry tools. And he built the staircase, a spiral staircase that has got no middle support. And to this day, it's an engineering marvel and wonder. Every day, people come, that's it there. It's the Loretta. The Loretta Chapel in in San Fernandez, New Mexico. You can look it up. There's beautiful pictures of the staircase. Look it up. He built, they came, there's no nails, there's no screws. The woodworking is of a quality that's, excuse the pun, heavenly. They try to determine where the wood came from, and there's no such kind of wood anywhere in the vicinity. Perfectly built. No central support. Engineers today are still looking at it and wondering, how does this thing freestand, support its own weight without collapsing, and yet people are walking up? Because Joseph stepped out of the cloud of witnesses, and by the way, I raised my son Jesus to be a carpenter. He said, come and let me help you. And he built a staircase on his own. Look it up, it's there. They still do not know. They run programs on it. Heart of witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so, it's a prepared place. Secondly, the thing that he <laughs> he prepared for us, oh, yeah, anyways, let's just go. He prepared for us a body. Is that okay? So we are now the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And he put us into a body. Yeah. He prepared for us a garden. All of these, all of these have got specific facets to it, because you can anoint a body. A body has got functionality. Is that right? We can get around and move around and extend the kingdom of God with our bodies, but we are also gardens prepared. That's why Genesis, there's a garden. Revelations 22, there's a garden. Okay? So Paul says that we are God's husbandry, In other words, he's the husbandman, he's the farmer, he's the cultivator of his garden because we are the planting of the Lord, trees and oaks of righteousness. So what is that? Is that he tends to us, he cares for us. The thing about a garden is that it produces fruit naturally because it is watered, the sun shines on it, it's cultivated, and it produces fruit. Is that okay? So the fruit that comes out is because of him. That's John 15. Is that okay? So come on, our life has been prepared. A body, a garden. Number four, let's have a look at it. A city. Woo! The importance of cities. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10, when Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, the Bible says that he was looking for a city whose architect and builder was God, a city with foundations. Every city he went past, he saw a wicked city. Amen. He didn't see the city that he was looking for. But the city that he was looking for with the eye of faith, he never entered it. He never lived in it. Because the city was to come. The city said on the hill. The city, you know, on Mount Zion, you know, beautiful for situation on the sides of the north. All the scriptures about the city, the city, the city. When they tried to build Babel, the tower, and that city, God said, This is a wicked city. This is man doing his own thing. And he confused the languages. Even the great city of Babylon, he said it's just going to be dust and whatever. And, and still to today, people just evacuated and left the, left the city of Babylon. Even Jerusalem became the wicked city. Where in Revelations, John says, it's Sodom, it's Gomorrah, it's Egypt. This Jerusalem, because look what they've done to the prophets. Look what they've done to their Savior. No, no, no. There's a new Jerusalem. Revelations 21. A heavenly city. Who is that city? Woo! Us. Cities are important because people come together, and when they come, they come from different backgrounds, different cultures, and they're brought together, and they develop a culture, a city culture. There's a pooling of resources. There's protection. There's all kinds of things. There's a common vision and a purpose. Cities exist for a reason. Now we are the city of God. People from all backgrounds come into the city. But the most important thing about a city is in the middle of the city, there was a temple. And so you see that in the new Jerusalem. God is within her. She shall not fall, says Psalm 46. All right, number five. Revelations 21 also says that we're a bride. So let's just have a look. Revelations 21 verses 1 and 2. King James translation, it says, Then he saw, John looks again, has another vision in the book of Revelations. And uh, he sees this incredible thing, and he says, All things are made new. He said, I see a new heaven and a new earth. This new heaven and this new earth was prepared for us. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, it's the home of the righteous. Us. First heaven, first earth, the law, heaven and earth was put away. And he says, and then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, the heavenly city. But when he looks at her, he goes, it's a city wife. It's a bride city. You know, spiritual things, visions are amazing. They can be double ups. And he says it's prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. The city prepared. You read the rest of the chapter about the city, the walls, the measurements, the foundations, and it's all the company of the saved who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it all happened. The city was established and happened on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came down, on the group of 120, the city of God was established, the New Jerusalem, the heavenly city. Amen. Walls are salvation and gates of praise. Woo! You're a good looking city, but you're a mighty beautiful bride. Amen. Because he said you're also a bride prepared. You know, a bride prepared, a wife. There's a different level of intimacy between you know, city and founder, and gardener and garden. This is a union. This is a marriage. And so there's an inseparable union between us and Christ of marriage. Paul says we were married to God through the law. But when Christ died, we died with him to that husband. So now we are free by the law of death, free to remarry. And Paul says, I betrothed you to one, Christ. So now I'm married to Christ. I'm joined to Him. And Paul says, before this brought forth children or fruit to death, now we bring forth fruit to life. Come on, church. This is a life prepared. All planned, everything. It's just manifested. God just opened the door on all of this stuff in Genesis 3.15. He said, your seed and her seed, enmity. He's going to crush your head. You'll only bruise His heel. It's really interesting that when they nailed Jesus to the cross, one of the nails was too wet. Exactly through the heel. That was the bruised part. Hey, isn't the word good? Amen. So body, God and city, bride, and let's start to wind down. It's very interesting, this one over here. I just like it because it tells me something. It tells me God is so personal and so interested. So Ephesians 2, verses 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, not of works, so no one can boast. Is that right? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that's what we've been talking about, unto good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word ordained is prepared. If you put it in the NIV, I think it says prepared. So in other words, God has prepared your good works for you ahead of time in Christ Jesus for you to do. He's prepared you, perfectly fitted you, perfectly equipped you. You weren't just a twinkle in mom and dad's eye and then you happened And God was so surprised and he put your birthday into his records and goes like, oh, gee, um, let's think of something for this one to do. And what are we going to get them to do? We already got ashes. Um, (laughs) You know, what am I going to do with this one? No, no, you're uniquely designed, uniquely created, uniquely God prepared you in advance. And he prepared your works in advance. Is that okay? So that only leaves us one thing to say. It's all prepared. It's a life prepared for us. A life has been prepared for us. It's a spiritual place. It's prepared, and we are prepared for it as a body. We are prepared for it as a God. We are prepared for the city as we are prepared for the bride. And then there are these works that we are prepared to do, which you are doing. Amen? But there's more works to come. There's more things that you're going to do. So I want to just close with this and say this. I've been rushing. But did you get something from that? Can you see that God is in control? He's got you in his hand. When I used to go to England, I met these two amazing ladies, Zilla and Esther. And uh, just incredible, just amazing women. Elderly ladies. Script <laughs> for nicks. And uh, the post office in their tiny little town. they got a tiny little town. And they got a post office there. They got so much coming in posted from all over the world to them via that post office and so much posted out that the British Postal Service had to build a bigger post office to handle their stuff. I kid you not. Two elderly ladies on sort of pension. On pension, they hire an airplane with no money. A big jet. That's the one I flew on and into England. I went in on their faith. I remember the day when somebody put the first 50,000 pounds into the account to pay for the rental of the plane cost 100,000 without fuel. And they prayed and God showed them a white plane with a red line that goes up the tail. And they hunted for that and they eventually found it and the name of the airline was called Omega Airline. Omega Airline. <laughs> Went and spoke to them and they said, yeah, we do this kind of work, we work all over the world. And they said, well, we don't have the money yet, it's, um, it's being cleared. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have the money. They said, no problem. We'll do the flight, and then you pay us. We know we're used to working for charities. They had no money. They took me and 40 tons of aid, food and medical aid, into Armenia. I was on the plane with dignitaries, ambassadors. And they're all walking around on the plane. There was only about eight or ten of us, and all walking around introducing themselves, you know, ambassador, so ambassador and who and your name is? No, I'm Pastor John <laughs> from South Africa. But I was the most important person on the plane. And I'm not I just say that humbly. Because that was the beginning of revival. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Before that trip, God told me, You're gonna pray for the ambassador of Armenia. Yeah. Gave me a man's name. First name, surname. And when I walked into the embassy, the first person that stood up and introduced himself was that man, Stefan something I said, I have a word for you. Changed the course of his whole life. And they said, the ambassador sends his apologies. He's not here. He's sick. He's at the hospital. I said, God told me to pray for him. The man ran out, got the ambassador on the phone and said, here we are. It's a prophet from South Africa. Says he must pray for you. Prayed for the ambassador. Then I'm on the plane with all these people. Two ladies doing the works that God had prepared for them. Powerful. And they had such a vision, they went into Siberia. They were being tracked by the Russian KGB everywhere they went. And the KGB eventually thought, no, these are just two harmless old British ladies. Little did they know. They were doing all kinds of things. North Africa. They were collecting Bibles. They put me into touch with the pastor in Egypt. He started a printing works. He started doing printing translations of the Bible and all um, Christian works. Every year, the royal princess, the Saudi royal princess, would buy out everything in his bookshop and take it back right into Mecca. All the stuff was going into Mecca. She's born again, and the whole household and servants around her were born again. And, and would buy up the, the stuff. And he started printing and doing translations into Arabic of Christian works and things. And that's how they got me to Egypt. And I went and ministered. We had revival there. And they would identify in prayer key countries. And they would set up contacts. And they would go in. And they started burying Bibles and Christian literature. Waiting for Islam to fall. And everything would be ready. And so they would have these random meetings, and they would have a a case. And they're harmless, of course. They're just two elderly British ladies, full of books and Bibles. And a man would ride past in a scooter and just grab the bag out of their hand. That was a contact, and off they would go. Didn't know who they were. Then they would leave. Morocco, Tunisia, all those countries. I was supposed to go and preach in all of those countries, in the Atlas Mountains and things like that, secret locations. I was supposed to go to Siberia. And uh, that, plan, that trip didn't come about. It was just about all finalized. And uh, because revival was just spontaneously breaking out amongst the Siberian Eskimos. God was just moving. It's prepared. Your work is prepared. So what's our role? I'm, gonna, I'm saying all of this to close with one verse. So here's the one verse. You all Ready? talks about in a house, there are vessels. Vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. In a house. Earthen vessels, wooden vessels, gold vessels. He says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, from being of ignoble purposes, in other words, fleshly things. If we purge ourselves from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. All because of a prophecy in the garden. Amen. Amen. We are prepared. You have a life prepared. Did you get something? So, Father, I want to thank you that you prepared everything. You prepared it all for us. You prepared heaven. You prepared this earth. You prepared people. Thank you that you prepared us. Thank you, Lord, that you prepared the seed, and the seed came. Thank you that now, through the seed, and we are Christ's if we are Abraham's seed, Galatians 3. Thank you that we are prepared. And Lord, thank you that you prepared our bodies for us as instruments of righteousness. Our bodies as manifestations of the image and the glory of Christ. Thank you that you've given us these bodies. These bodies are beautiful. They're perfected. Thank you that they sanctified. And Father, I want to thank you that you prepared us as a garden to be fruitful, to bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Thank you that you prepared us as a city. You prepared us, brought us to a single purpose, brought us into a unique kingdom culture, though we're from different backgrounds, and here we are sitting together today. Thank you that you prepared us as a bride for union with you. Complete oneness. Complete intimacy. Completely. Thank you that the fruit of that union is godly offspring. And Lord, I want to thank you prepared good works for us. Thank you that you did that. And now, Lord, we, in view of that, we cleanse ourselves of all ignoble purposes, present ourselves to you, Lord, as vessels of honor, sanctified in Jesus' name. And in Matthew 25, Jesus says this. Then shall the king say unto them, verse 31, on the right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And Lord, so here I am as your servant. I present all of ACF to you. And Lord, by your spirit, I say, come inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of earth in Jesus' name. And Lord, right now, right now, you've given us bodies. Pastor Vili de Toy, it was either earlier this year or, or towards the end of last year. It was last year, I think it was. Driving to go and minister somewhere, had a massive heart attack while he was driving. Phoned us, phoned other people, and we all started to pray. All of you, many of you will remember. Basically, the, the, the greatest percentage of his heart had been destroyed. And you all were praying, and others were praying with us. And um, his wife, Jacqueline, tells us he was so weak that he couldn't get from the bed to the bathroom. He was so weak. He'd be totally out of breath. He would literally have to crawl. And she just said, you're not dying. And she'll put loud praise and worship on and declare praise and worship. Yeah. And slowly, 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 God's, the healing process began. God was healing him. He could get up and walk a little bit. And then he decided that what he was going to do was he was going to walk and get fit and reclaim his health. And he could only walk short distances until eventually he was walking kilometers. But short distances. But the one day he was out for a walk, and his heart was particularly tired, and he was under strain. And he basically said this, Lord, you want to go all over the world and preach the gospel. But you can't without me. He says, you need me. She said, it just hit him as a revelation. He said, you need me, Lord. You need me. And he said, and so in order for you to reach the whole world and preach the gospel, you need me. And I'm available. My body will be your taxi, but it needs some help. Yeah. And God touched him and healed him. And he's been to Russia he's, again, and he's been all over. Come on, I, I just feel this morning, let's just sanctify our bodies. Just put your hands on yourself and just say, Lord, this is your vessel. It's a vessel of honor. It needs to be strong. It needs to be healthy. And, Lord, I want to thank you that you want to preach the gospel all over the world. You want to reach the people in my workplace. You want to reach my family members. Well, Lord, you can't do it without me. You've got to use me. And so, Lord, I just, this body, this body, just touch it, Lord. Heal it, perfect it. Strengthen this body to do your will. You gave Jesus a body to do your will. Lord, thank you. You've given me a body to do the good works. Touch this body. Heal this body perfect this body in the mighty name of jesus the mighty name of jesus father right now I just pray also for all those watching live stream there's somebody on live stream i just heard it so clear right now but there's like a heart murmur that's what the spirit said to me a heart murmur somebody watching on live stream there's a heart murmur and the lord is perfecting that and healing that right now in the name of jesus and be healed and be perfected in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be perfected. Father, that heart is strengthened. Those valves are strengthened. Lord, the electronic impulse is strengthened. Lord, that murmur goes away. Father, regular heartbeat, strong heart. That person is called of God and has much to do for you. So, Father, I, I perfect their heart by this prophetic word in the name of the Lord Jesus and speak life. And we all agreed and said, Amen. Just say, I'm whole. I'm healed, I'm strong, this body is to do the will of God in Jesus' name. Amen.